Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a group. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by the Real Leaders Impact Collaborative, our once-a-month virtual impact CEO peer groups who meet to support each other with whatever is keeping them up at night. I joined the group back in September, and if I had to say the one major takeaway that I've received is that to not let things outside business affect your on-court performance. This little change has certainly reflected in our business growth and development. And when our members do well, more lives are transformed. That's what impact is all about. So if you're interested, please email us at info at real-leaders.com. Just say the podcast sent you and you want to speak to someone about the impact collaborative. Again, that's info at real hyphen leaders.com. Enjoy the show. Kim, what do you say? Get the show on the road? Yes, okay. for sure. Okay, that was a lot. Whew. Here we go now in five, <laughs> four, three, two, and one. And welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is the co-founder of True Religion and the founder and CEO of Style Union Home. It's the boss lady. Please welcome Kim Gold. Kim, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Also a pleasure to have on another Fleetwood Mac fan here today. Kim, what, tell, tell me about growing up there in uh, Southern California. Well, I grew up in Malibu, California, and I remember my parents always having music on. I'm an identical triplet. I have an older brother and a younger brother. And there was, you know, back in the day, there were record players. There was always a Fleetwood Mac album on all the time. So I think, you know, Stevie Nicks is, she's got the best voice ever. Yep. She's a legend and she's, you know, she's, she's making timeless music. You know, it's one of those artists that you listen to in 2021, you go, this seems like new music today. You know, it's, you know, it's that's the funny thing. It is. Yeah. It's timeless. Mm -hmm. That's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I put on, I mean, landslide, I, I can listen to it a million times and it's not enough. It'll never be enough. So. Now tell tell me about this influence though. I mean, I titled this show Boardwalk to Billions. Anyone who's been to Santa Monica has seen uh, you know, pop-up shops, you've walked around, you've seen the homeless people there, you've seen the entrepreneurs, you've seen um, you know, the 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 glitz and the glam of Southern California. It's a place for everyone. Tell us about your early experience uh on the boardwalk. Well, the boardwalk back in the day, I mean, it was so much fun. I mean, you just, you set up these little, uh, I guess you can call them a kiosk, but you had, you can rent space of the guy who actually owns the land in each of the areas of, they called it the boardwalk. And I was in business school at the time. And I said, I just want to make some money. I want to, you know, Go to go to college and make some money. I didn't want to ask my parents for the money, but you know, I wanted to pay my pave my own way. So I went downtown, knocking on doors. Uh, people thought I was crazy. I was asking for what they call damages, where there's a slight irregular and they don't sell them to the stores. So after you know a couple of days or weeks and months, I finally accumulated the clothes that I wanted to sell. So like the, the damage was ten dollars, as opposed to. $20 to buy for the store, I would sell a $10 garment for, let's say, $40. So it was still less expensive in the, you know, in the mall. So I was making about $50,000 a month mm. in swap meets. I had, then I started having my sister and 
uh, Mark Burnett was working for me. You know Mark Burnett, right? I don't. Enlighten me. Mark Burnett is uh, one of the, we were married actually, one of the largest, most well-known TV producers of our time, reality TV. So like The Voice, uh, mm. what is that, Island, you know, Survivor. So basically, I was, you know, like 19, making 50 grand a month cash. It, it, it's inspiring you know it, to, to be on uh, someone who is in business school and is just grinding and trying to figure out a way to make a living um it, 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 i think about this today if were if you were to do this today would you still have the same advantages can someone still make it by selling clothes at a swap meet in southern california today listen i i think Anything is achievable if you put your mind to it. A anything. I mean, I've I've built homes. Uh, I produced documentaries. I you know had a, was in clothing for, for for thirty years. Now I've got my um, you know luxury ceramic business for the home, which is just in a year we're almost at a million mark. So in a pandemic. So listen, if you if you if you have the mojo. To do it, you can do it. So let's let's go from this $50,000 a month to the concept of true religion. Did I miss a step there? I mean, tell me about the evolution of this business concept. Yes, okay, well, while I was uh, doing the swap meets, swap meets, I then started my own clothing companies. I had about three before true religion. Okay. And um, ran on my own, funded funded them, did everything basically, and that really gave me the groundwork um, to use my own money and be on the road of an entrepreneur. I, I, you know, this whole word entrepreneur is really thrown out. Like you're not an entrepreneur unless you've actually done the work, used your own money, started a business, lost money, did it again. I mean, that's really the education of being an entrepreneur, right? So three companies um, sold a couple of them. One of them, um, I dissolved it. Uh, then I worked for a couple other people, uh, Liz Claiborne, um, Shelly Siegel by Liz Claiborne and a company by the name of Rampage um, with Larry Hansel. So I've worked for other people, hated it. <laughs> Cut to F this, I'm starting my own business. And my then husband was in fabrics. He was a fabric salesperson. And I said, listen, let's start our business together. Probably not the best thing to do when you're married. <laughs> Had three kids at the time too. We were $250,000 in debt when we started True Religion, mm -hmm. which people don't know. We sold the house. We lived... Um, you know, in a hotel for a while, we used our own credit cards to 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 get the denim done. It started with men's because women, I think women will wear men's clothes a lot more than a woman, a man will wear a woman's jean. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when you wear men's jeans, women, that was like the first boyfriend jean. And we invested everything we had with three little kids. So if you're not willing to invest in yourself, um, investors aren't willing to invest in you. They want to see that you've, you know, you've, you've done the work. And if, if you've invested yourself, then an investor um, would be more likely to invest in you. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot there that I want to unpack and, and get into. First thing is, were you pursuing a lifestyle? Was it just, I just don't want to work for anyone? Was it, I want to be, uh, was it, I want to make money. I want to be, be, be successful. Was it, I want to live in Southern California and be in fashion my whole life. What were you chasing? So it's interesting. I get, I get this question a lot because of the, because of, um, you know, I don't have to work now. We sold true religion for close to a billion. Um, I think if people really get this concept is that you really need to follow your passion because the passion is what gets you going. I wasn't chasing everything. I was just chasing, I mean, well, I guess because I was chasing my passion. Um, and also, you know, I, I don't like working for other people. 
But I think the money and the, and the success is always a byproduct. Like if you're an actor, are you doing it for the craft or are you doing it to be famous? Hmm. I, I'm, I'm back behind the scenes, girl. I don't want to be famous. I don't right. grew up with famous people. And that's not, that's not um, a life that I would pursue. I wanted, I guess you can consider celebrity money at the time, I guess. I mean, but I never thought of it like that. I just knew it would come. So I'm, I'm never chasing money. It's just, it's just a byproduct of your passion. I love it. Now, how do you view uh, debt? How do you view risk? Let's start with start with uh, risk first. How do you view risk? Because obviously, you have children. Uh, you're trying to uh, provide a, you know uh, you know food on the on the plate for them. Exactly. You're trying to support them in any way that you can. Uh, you're in two hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt. Like, how do you view uh, risk? You know, it's funny. I I don't have a lot of fear around business and risk. I just know. I I, I think I just know it's going to happen. I mean, I don't think the only fear I have is like my heart. You know, what I mean? like like family and friends because business really is what is the risk. The risk for me is not doing it. Hmm. That's the risk for me because knowing that I want to do something and pursue this is is not so risky. It's just, I'm going to do this no matter what. I don't even, it's not even in my lexicon. Right. I'm not going to do it. It's just, I'm doing this. Right. And now does that come from working for other people and knowing, Hey, I can't not focus on building this organization. I cannot do this. Do you look at the exit point and see what that looks like? Like, like, you know where I'm going with this? Like, what do you fall back on when you hit those low points to say, you know, uh, like Kim, we gotta we gotta pull ourselves together here. Like, what what do you fall back on to make sure you can continue this? Well, I'm constantly looking at budgets. I'm constantly looking at the business plan. I'm constantly looking at okay, so this is what I'm spending this month, and this is what I'm I've got over here for my kids. Right? It's it's a constant overview of your business. So if you're creative, you got to know your business. Mm. You got to know. Oh what you're falling back on, how much you're putting into this, and you are 250,000 in debt. Okay, so we got to cut back over here for a little bit. We're not putting any more money on the credit card. And, you, and then possibly it, the business goes a little bit slower. But you can also work while you're starting a business. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people say, well, I don't have enough time. I, I don't think that way. Um, I think there's always enough time. It's kind of like people say they don't have enough time to work out or they don't have enough time or they're tired. Mm. But I think if you sit down every day and look at what you're spending and know your business, know your cost, that's the most important thing because the, you don't feel like you're falling back on it. You know what's there. You know what's not there. Mm. You know when to pivot. Would you be able to do what you do if you're significant other like wasn't in business and didn't understand the struggle like how important is that aspect of, of the relationship side that's a really good question um because the man i'm with now is is is, is an actor mm. so would i not be able, i think i would always be able to do what i want to do regardless maybe mm. that person wouldn't be right for me if they didn't understand the struggle right but you got to be with somebody who understands your struggle because everybody has a struggle right right so my commitment is to find out what his struggle is what happened in that audition why can't why isn't your movie being you know it's it's in the works but why is it taking so long so in in anything that anybody does there's a struggle mm. Mm. let's talk about the the original $250,000 in debt. How do you view debt as an entrepreneur from when you were a startup to where you are now? I think, you know, it's funny. I don't use the word debt. I use the word <laughs> um, I'm investing in myself. Right. Okay. So because debt has a really, you know, negative connotation. It does. So yeah, people have school debt and they have this, but you're investing in yourself. So it's not it's it's something that you're pursuing um that ultimately will get paid off. It will. Right. So when you when you're looking 
uh, to finance something. What's the difference uh, from a, a startup hustle from your early business life cycle to now uh, an organization that's found its rhythm, uh, has predictable sales? What do you go to for sources of capital from a startup to now, um, you know, when you when you up when you're up on your feet and running, I guess. I don't look for sources of capital. What I what I do is I look to at minimum. This is what we've done this year at minimum. Mm -hmm. Sell as much as your overhead is. Okay. Walk us through so that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. So let's say, for instance, my overhead now has gone to uh, 100000 a month. That's employees, that's machinery, that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, PR, marketing, uh, everything that encompasses my company right now. Mm -hmm. um, so if it's $100,000 a month, I'm going to do $100,000 a month in sales mm -hmm. at minimum. Mm -hmm. If you can achieve, if you know, keep your overhead as low as possible. Um, and I, I started out of the house for the first uh, six months, seven months. And then we outgrew the house. And now we're in a space downtown across the street from Soho House. And we have a retail space. So we have a retail aspect for, for revenue. We have uh, salespeople for revenue. We have our online presence for revenue. So before you know it, you can do $100,000 a month. If that's what your overhead is, so whatever us, your overhead is, and and you know, apologies for not even asking and explaining to the audience what Style Union Home is all about. Tell us. So Style Union Home is a luxury ceramic home fashion brand. It's all ceramics. It's all made in LA. It's made on premise and with outside potters. Um, we sell to. Uh, Interior designers, we have 75 retail stores um, since its inception and in, in, we launched in August. So it's just like clothing, but it's just fashion for the home. Hmm. Same thing. I knew nothing about ceramics. My son, one of my kids took me to a, a ceramic class. And of course, I can't just have a hobby. I have to turn it into a business. Right. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's just me. It's my personality. And I think... Um, and, and, and in the pandemic and, you know, home sales are up 250%. So think about home products. I mean, because of, you know, COVID, I didn't know. I just said, mm. I'm doing this. Right. I like it. I was building homes and I really, really couldn't find the aesthetic of the, uh, you know, staging of the home. I mean, it was, I like my, the homes that I do and want the staging to be cohesive. And to find a cohesive brand throughout the whole home, it was also the trigger to get me to do this as well. Mm. So what are some of the, the obstacles, I guess, you've ran into? You just compared it to clothing. Uh, so obviously you have your buyers, you have interior designers that are looking for tiles. What were some of the things that uh, you ran into that uh, you've, you've struggled with? Uh, during this this growth, yeah, I mean, first of all, the interior designers are looking for our pieces. It's not necessarily they they buy for their for their customers that their their clients that they're working on. Let's say eight thousand square foot homes mm -hmm. or restaurants. We do restaurants. We do hotels and things like that. So it's 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 more of the accessories. Um, we do you know vases and bowls and and really interesting things. Um, structural you know. Uh, uh, book bookends and things like that. But the struggle for any business, I believe, is production. Mm. Um, order is an order is an order until it's made and shipped and paid for. Mm -hmm. uh, people who do pottery are very artistic people. They're not necessarily production people. Mm -hmm. So that has been, and I think the reason why no one has done this sort of business is because it's hard. I mean, you've got to find people, you've got to train people, you've got to find outside potters. I mean, if we're doing, we're you know set to do about a million dollars by the end of the year, I better hustle and find people to make my goods. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so that's 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 not a struggle. It's it's a challenge. Kim, help help me explain this, or or I guess answer this question. So you have your potters and you have your customers. Customer wants a specific design, a specific piece. 
Um, how are you able to fulfill the, those orders and what's the turnaround time and, and why make custom or I guess uh, sell custom tiles versus just producing a lot at scale and then and selling it to the customers? No, we're not doing custom tiles. We're making, so we're making actual pieces that you can buy a hundred of. It's, it's on the website, okay. it's, it's, it's not custom, um, but if somebody, if a designer comes in and says, I'm, like we did some custom pieces for a, a, a Manhattan Beach uh, restaurant, Esperanza, that actually got an award for oh, nice. this restaurant. Yeah, um, so it's like you wanna buy a pair of denim, you have a made, you know, you, you make a hundred or what, a thousand or however many you make, you buy it, you ship it, you get paid for it. It's the same thing. It's, it's just ceramics. I, I love it. I love it. And I'm glad it's, it's great to hear that now. Are, are, are you have large organizations and large clients? Like I've had a, a tile company on the show before with large clients let's say like Google or like Amazon there are using these tiles within their headquarters. Is it the same process? Would you be able to accommodate, you know, a, a large buy like that? You're, you're, you keep saying tiles. <laughs> I don't know what the word tiles. Um, Most, is it ceramic? Sorry. Is that the, is that no, word? it's, it's, it's ceramic pieces. It's ceramic, it's ceramic pieces. pieces. Okay. No, that's okay. I am Apologies. very strategic and who, no, that's okay. It's like, I don't know where um, it's, it's, we're very strategic and, and who we sell to. Um, we are working with a, a, a chain of stores right now um, where we're working on a deal that has many, 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 many stores across the country um, and international uh, hotels. So yes, we're scaling up. That's the production. And we're looking for, we're working with a company that can make that many pieces for these um, companies. Um, yeah, Amazon is not, for me, a place that I want to go um, just yet. Mm, okay. So tell me more about um, the, the growth of the organization, how you're making these decisions. Um, at, at an early stage like this, uh, you're just trying to cover overhead and then you get to that inflection point. Um, where can you go once uh, your margins start to increase a little bit more? What, what's your philosophy on, on growth? So I'm very proactive. So what I do is I basically make the goods before the trade show what we're showing. I'll make at minimum of 50 to 100 pieces and put it on the shelves. And when the customers order them, they're available. They either have to be glazed or uh, you know, there's raw clay, then we have to fire it. So growth for me is I, for instance, I have a 6,300 square foot warehouse that has showroom, retail and then all of the equipment that goes with pottery and then i decided to rent the next place with 33,000 3300 square feet to be able to have the space for all the sh all the, the products that we're shipping so i think people need to be think ahead and proactive to know that you don't play catch up open the space the sales are coming mm. Be very organized and do your homework on your production way in advance. No catch up here. So how do you stay organized? Like when, you, when you're talking about your budgets and you're talking about the cash flow actually coming in and making these decisions, um, what, do you, what, what numbers or metrics do you really keen in on um, to understand uh, how to make decisions and what you need to do to, to become more profitable? Okay, well, you know, the P&Ls, um, prop, my profit and loss, um, really staying tight on my monthly, knowing uh, where I can cut the fat, where if I should do outside mm. production and not have so many employees as far as potters go. But we have strategic meetings, my team and I, every week. So being organized and having weekly meetings keeps you on track. Um, keeps you 
informed, especially as a business person, and knowing what you're spending. I mean, if you if you're making something for twenty five dollars and you're selling it wholesale for fifty, and you know that you can have better margins, then let's start working on better margins with some other potters or some mm. other productions. So you want to always look at your margins. Uh, that's the most important thing. I mean, if you're making something for ten and selling it for ten, what's the yeah, know your cost. So organization is is the most important thing I think in life. Um, running your home like that, you know, uh, everything is. You saw my office. Everything has uh, there's folders everywhere with right. labels, uh, you know, due dates. Uh, we're proactive, and when when we do uh, our trade shows, we get everything prepared way in advance. Um, so we're on schedule. We're always on a schedule. So what about from the leadership perspective uh, with managing and, and encouraging and inspiring your employees? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're growing. You've got new places. You need employees to, to run those locations. What's your hiring process like? And how do you instill a, a, a good culture uh, in, into your organization? That's a really, I love that question. Um, the culture for me is very important um, because I'm coming here to work every day. I don't have to. I want to. I want it to be where everybody feels as important as the, as the next person. Hmm. I never ask anybody to do something I wouldn't do, ever. You will see me taking out the garbage. You just lead by example. Hmm. I think it's really important as a leader to not to make everybody inclusive, have an open-door policy hmm. for issues, gripes, um, whatever it is. There's a weekly meeting, a whole weekly meeting um with everybody on the team so everybody is is an open and safe environment um and everybody is really speaks with each other with dignity and respect i think that's one of the most important things because i don't i hear i hear people say oh my boss is this my boss is not nice what's the point of that mm. what what is the point of you not being nice to people so as as an owner, I have found almost every assistant I've ever had has gone off to have their own business. And I think encouraging um, compliments and again, speaking with people with dignity and respect is the most important uh, thing to me with everybody I, I have in my life. So treat, treating people um, like you would treat anyone else, obviously the golden rule, right? You know, it's something that everyone should live by, right? You know, a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, all I was going to ask you is, is how would you describe like your leadership style? Like, it, like you just mentioned a lot of your employees are going on to start their own organizations. Are you letting them fail within the organization? Are you giving them opportunities? Are you, are you delegating authority versus tasks? How would you describe your leadership style. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't need to delegate or, or, or show my authority. I think everybody knows who's paying the bills. I think what I do is I do not micromanage. I let people uh, get into positions to show me if they want that position, whether mm. it be operations or man being the manager of the pottery area, the ceramic area. Um, because I don't think, you know, if, 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 if you don't give them rope or anybody rope, even in a real personal relationship, you, friendships, kids, everybody makes mistakes. And I don't think they're really necessary mistakes. I think they're just lessons learned. Hmm. So that's, that's important as a leader is to allow people to learn and not necessarily their mistakes. Is it, okay, well, this is how we're not, we're not going to do this. This is a better, there's a better way to do it this, this way. Hmm. Um, Again, with dignity and respect. I don't like to demean anybody. I don't want to be demeaned. Kim, so, you, know, you, you strike me as someone who is just a very savvy business person, um, but also someone that is a, not necessarily against the status quo, but really defies it. Uh, what do you think business leaders get wrong uh, about, about leadership, about growing an organization that's successful? That there, I, I think that that without the people, without your team, you're you're without your team, and you know, raising children and, and 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 having businesses and learning that you 
it in. You don't have to treat people badly to get what you need or want within your culture or your business um, is to, you know, have a happy environment. I mean, and have maybe, we, we do have Pizza Fridays here. Nice. <laughs> we have Pizza Fridays and, you know, it's just just what I've learned being in the business for literally over 30, 35 years is I've seen people cry, you know, with other bosses and come home and just go, why, why I hate my boss? Mm. Well, do you, does that earn respect? Do you, do you get respect for, you know, yelling at your employees? No, mm. no. So I just think as a human being, you know, and at my age, this is what I've learned. Mm. Dignity and respect, making it a safe environment to, to, to listen to what everybody has to say and Maybe they want to grow in the company, what they don't want to do, or if they need a day off, especially if they need a day off. I, I allow people to take a day off hmm. if need be during the week. How do you know now, this is, we, we asked about hiring, we asked about you know, uh, the culture, dignity, respect. What about the, the tough discussions though? <laughs> like, what's your thought process on letting someone go in an organization? Yes, I just did that. Hmm. Um, Tell us about it. I had to let somebody go who was a very high up person who I have a lot of respect for. And she was very, very good at her job, but rubbed everybody the wrong way mm. and was condescending. Mm. And for me, you could be great at your job, but I had to let her go. And mm. she was, you know, she, she was surprised because she's really good at what she does, but the, the culture and the environment that I'm, I'm making here is that, is being respectful. There, it's a team effort. Nobody's better than the other person. There's no condescending chat happening on my watch. Hmm. So that was, that was a tough one. Let's go into that because I feel like everyone has someone who's condescending within their organization. Um, ha now, have, <laughs> have you, or at least have experienced it, but Honestly, have you ever been condescending too? I mean, have there been points in in your career where you're, where you know, like you know, like, you know, I'm taking on the sales of things. I'm really bringing the organization. And how do you keep yourself humble? How do you make sure you you stop, you pause, and and you understand that you're not bigger than anybody else? Yeah. Well, I, I had a situation happen with somebody who worked who works here, and they got very upset, rolled their eyes at me, and I looked at them and I said. And they were in my office and they rolled their eyes at me. And I said, I'm going to walk out the door because I don't want to say something that, that I will regret. Mm. And I left. Mm. That's taken a lot of time, a lot of work. Mm. And eventually uh, this person knew, you know, how upset I was. And I did not talk to this person for a week. This person came up to me, apologized, and I said, let me tell you something. If you ever speak to me with that lack of respect, you're not working here. Hmm. And very calmly. Hmm. And I love those little stories, you know, that people you know, share about <laughs> they're those true things. Stories. They're true stories, you know, the real stories. Um, how do you keep yourself mentally sharp uh, when you're outside? of uh, business do you do I sleep a, you sleep a lot do you have <laughs> no, a sleeping uh, a sleeping routine you like to do no, no 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 um you know i've learned to really stop work when i when i get into the, the house like i really have stopped mm. I, I i think that your brain has to shut down there isn't anything that can't be done first thing in the morning but I relax when I get home. It's like I literally take the work hat off and put the home hat on. Mm. You know, I read. Uh, I, I'm very curious about a lot of other things that keep me, you know, like like just since this business, I get bored very easily. So this business is humming. Okay, what's where, where can I go more into? What other products can I go into? It's creative. Mm. Go on to Pinterest. And it's just creative. You go down the rabbit hole with you know, some tequila on Pinterest, and that's that's fun. 
Do you think a good yeah. on, do you think a good entrepreneur Kim is someone who has a nice creative side but can also be restrained by the analytics? I mean it seems like you know you you're very, you know, creative but you also have that business concept that look this is business language 101 I've got to make sure I check my, you know, boxes, cross my T's, dot my I's. What's your philo or philosophy on what makes up a good entrepreneur? That's exactly that's exactly it. So mm -hmm. A lot of creative people don't massage their other side of the brain, right? Your creative side is your right, your analytic side is your left. And you have to massage that brain and it takes work because creative people don't want to do the numbers. They don't want to know their margins. They're, they just want to be in that creative space. But, and that's fine, but if you want to have your own business and you want to go on the path of being an entrepreneur, you got to do both. And you have to know also your business because somebody could take it away from you as a creative mm -hmm. easily if you don't know what you're doing and you can lose a shitload of money too mm -hmm. if you don't know what you're doing mm -hmm. what, what's been a good sales process for you obviously you know the lifeblood of an organization uh with true religion or with your new organization i mean what, what's been working with you from developing a good relationship with the buyer or learning about your customer experience? I mean, what, what really works for you? I like customer service. I think that even though we're doing it, we went to our first trade show um, in New York like two weeks ago. What works for me is partnering up with our retailers, meaning hmm. we don't sell to another retail in a very specific radius like you know we mm. like to be like let's say in santa barbara we have a store in santa barbara another store in santa barbara that's maybe three or four miles away wants a style union home as well we have to say no because we want to be loyal we want to partner up and know that our retailer is safe with us and that's that's good business that's you know, being respectful of who's buying your goods and the mom and pops of the, you know, shops of the world are the ones that are your bread and butter. I mean, if you think about, you know, my goal at minimum is to do, you know, at the end of the day, a uh, hundred thousand a month, hmm. it's $5,000 a day times five is $25,000 for the week. You know, times four is a hundred thousand a month. Hmm. So then you build your customers and say, okay, well, if you're going to, we're going to be loyal to you, this is what the buy-in has to be. If your buy-in is two per piece for five units, then, you know, and we'll stick with you. So you have to have a minimum and believe in yourself and in your product. Hmm. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you've, you've been in business long enough to know, you know, trust comes on a bicycle and, and leaves on a Ferrari. I mean, I mean, what are what are some things that uh, you're able to do with your customer support to make sure that you can uh, continue to to build up that trust? Is is always pick up the phone and talk to them. Just pick up the phone and talk to them. That's it. Send a thank you note. How you guys doing? Uh, this person up the street wants the goods, and we just to let you know we're not selling to them. And if you decide to sell in Santa Barbara, like the other day, Stephanie, my head of sales. We have this great customer in San Ynez. It's right out of Santa Barbara. And the store is about an hour and a half away, okay? And they're a huge customer of ours. And they just reorder and reorder. And then there's a store in Santa Barbara that, again, is an hour and a half away. We called him first. Are you cool with this? He wasn't. And then after talking, he said, you know what? You're right. It's an hour and a half away. That customer in Santa Barbara may not be going to San Ynez. And we discussed it. So there's that respect. Mm. Pretty simple. Sim you know, it's so simple. Sometimes it's it's simple, but not easy. You know, a lot of people. Not will, easy. Yeah. No, it really <laughs> That's isn't. the thing. That's the thing is you've got to be willing to do the work. That's That's it. I wanted to ask you about that because you turn off the switch when you get home were you able to turn off the switch when you were starting up true religion oh no 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 uh, again these are little you know 
things that I've learned along the way. And I think, you know, also I had three kids while I was growing true religion, three little boys. Right. Um, I always think back, how the hell did I do that? But I think, you know, when you're younger, everything is like got to be done now. It's got to be done now. But actually you have, you will burn out. Mm. So mm. self-care is not a thing that people should not, they should do that. Self-care, whatever that is. Take a rest. Turn it off for a minute. There's no TVs when we eat dinner. There's no phones when we eat dinner. There's not even a, there's not even a, a, a TV downstairs. Mm. That's it. Everything mm. is shut off. Mm. It's very old school. I, I love it too. You know, I, I have to delete my social media apps in order to stay organized and productive throughout my days. And obviously I go back and re-download it, but it really does take up a lot of time. And I think, I was going to say, I was just, you know, I think it's, if you get distracted once, it's like 15 minutes until you can get focused on like a new thing, you know, it's just. It's like Pinterest for me. Yeah, it's like Pinterest, but it's a, it's a creative, um, you know, thing to do as part as far as these phones and the TikTok and the reels and the instagram and i don't even i don't have facebook on my phone i have somebody doing my social media uh for my my instagram i just i just that's what i've learned i've learned to just delegate you mentioned burnout and i asked you a question earlier in the show you know, talking about, you know, what do you fall back on when you reach the kind of those tough points? How do you describe burnout? Not feeling happy to go to work. Mm. Not excited. Not feeling a lot of passion. And I think that burnout comes, and those are signs of, all right, What's my barometer? And I think with what I did with my kids when they when we were they were growing up, is there's always a barometer. When things are really good and you're feeling really good, go with it. But when you start feeling whatever, burnt out, tired, uh, distracted, uh, not a lot of passion, so that's your barometer. So check yourself. What's going on? Mm. Take a day off. Mm. You know, rest. So that's 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 been my barometer. Well, let's discuss that a little bit more because a lot of people are experiencing burnout right now. You know, the people are calling this the great resignation. A lot of people aren't going back to work. If you've been to a restaurant, you know, in, in the last week or so, you'll know they're understaffed. You'll know things aren't coming out on time. You'll know the, the food isn't as much as it used to be. A lot of people are feeling burnout right now. What advice would you have to someone who had this sense of belief, had this sense of purpose, and it just doesn't quite make sense anymore. What advice would you have to them? Yeah, is to sit down. Um, a book that I read a lot is The Four Agreements. And it just it just brings you back to focus. And I mean, I know maybe people go, oh, it's bullshit. Or, it just works for me. Is to sit down, get focused, and, and, and take a, you know, rest. I think that everybody gives them, they, they don't, they feel guilty about resting. Uh, they feel guilty about calling in sick. I mean, you have to, we're not robots. Hmm. And, you know, I've, I've had people here who've been burned out after the trade show, people who work for me. I, I kept the, I closed the office. When we got back from New York, I closed the office for the hmm. day. Hmm. I, th I think that's a wise move, you know, and I think it's, yeah. you know, it's up to a lot of leaders to recognize that and really feel you know, the pulse of the company. Um, a, a few other things I was interested in is, you know, describe to me what your thoughts were on, on, and I don't want to get political at all, what your thoughts were on just like the whole of, of oh my gosh, we are in a lockdown now. How do I survive as an organization? I mean, what, what constraints did you run into while not being able to feel the pulse of your company and being online kind of like we are right now? You know, it was a very interesting, because I started right, like, where the pandemic started. And I'm thinking, okay, so how do I sell ceramic, expensive ceramic pieces on, um, you know, trade shows that were um, like Zoom calls, right? Buyers. Um, I learned 
<laughs> more adjectives. More I more adjectives had to describe something because as opposed to somebody coming in and picking up a piece, right, and feeling it, it has you don't need any words. Mm. So I think what I so let me ask you this. Mm. If I say to you, Kevin, you know, this, yeah, this cookie is great. I mean, it's got chocolate chips and it's, I don't know, you can drink it with whatever you want. <clears throat> or you go, okay, listen, I found the best cookie on the face of the planet. It's crunchy, mm. dip it in milk, it's got pecans, it's got, so how do you, so if you're enthusiastic, doesn't that come off any way about anything? Absolutely. I think people can sense that. So that's that. the passion I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the passion I'm talking about. Okay. If you're truly passionate about something, that's the bottom line. Here's an interesting take I, I, I heard the other day is that the style of the business leader and the organization changes as it evolves. Hence, um, you're, you're a storyteller, Steve, right? Steve Jobs, you're a great storyteller. You're going to uh, sell the vision, the enthusiasm of the organization when it's getting off the ground. And then once you kind of get off the ground, you become Bob the Builder, let's say, and you're trying to grow the organization and all the way to you reach the peak of your business lifestyle. And then you get down to Larry the Liquidator, right? You're trying to sell the organization, whatever it is. Do you think, Larry the Liquidator. Do, do you think that the, or the, the, the leadership changes in any way, shape or form? Or, or do you just believe in consistency? Like, will your leadership style be the the right style for your organization in 20 years, do you think? Well, I'm setting the company up, by the way, to, to be acquired. And a company, right. when I left True Religion, it was never the same. So if that's what you're asking, um, I think that people buy companies for, yes, product, but who the people are in the companies. I, mm. I had to do so much explaining, but as far as Steve Jobs, you were talking, like what this company is. It's not a title company. Right, it's a right. Luxurious. It's like fashion. It's home fashion. It's it's for the for the fashion for the home. It's it's pieces. It's you know decorating your bookcases and your tabletop and dog dog bowls and and and, and everything that goes in your home. So I had a lot of cajoling in the first you know while. Mm. And now people are getting it. Oh, that's what it is. Hmm. Okay. So when Larry comes in to buy, he'll know. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, from all these experiences, Kim, we've learned a lot, you know, from true religion to to now, you know, the founder of Style Union Home, growing that, what that process has been like, what the culture is like, how you view your employees. Um, to how you treat yourself when you go back home. So for uh, Kim Gold, let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? Leading by example, talking with dignity and respect. I, I can't say it any other way. That's so important. Beautiful, but it's, and it's you know it's been a very consistent theme throughout today's interview, Kim. So appreciate you coming on the show today, for Kim Gold. I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you to go out there, lead by example, show dignity and respect, and always, folks, keep it real. Thank you, Kim. Bye. All right, and thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast with Kim Gold. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And Kim, we had a few questions fly in today from a few of our audience. And if you're listening to this on Crowdcast, please ask your questions and we'll ask them to Kim right now. But first, Kim, is the most important question. Where can people find more information about Style Union Home? I'll go to our website, styleunionhome.com. Okay, lovely. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. And second question comes in today and and the question is love your products and your unique and creative business savvy so what advice would you give to the next generation of wanting to get into this space from the lessons you've learned it's a good question i think anybody who wants to get into anything as i said earlier is to know your business is to learn your cost uh, be very organized and know that going into something you're going to have to use your own money and whatever that budget is, 
know it and keep on track and be vigilant about having meetings with yourself or whomever about running your business. Kim, you mentioned something at the very end there, and I just wanted to touch on that. What is different about true religion now that you're not there? Everything. I mean, I, I was asked to come back to consult. I is that when I left, they, they just they brought in the when you have a soul, when the, when a soul is in a business and it leaves, it's never the same. Hmm. So they brought in the wrong people and it's just not uh fashion's very finicky and fickle and they just didn't stay you know ahead of the ahead of the curve and so my question back to you is what i almost already asked you is what is it about those leaders that just got it wrong uh I, you know, I think leaders, just because you're a leader doesn't mean you're a good leader, um, is, is do the work, make your employees happy and genuinely so. Mm. So I'm not sure what, what it is that they're getting wrong. I just don't know what they're, they, they need to get some more things right. right. I, look, I like to look at more of the positive side of it. Well, I loved all the insights today, Kim. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I, I just love your perspective on business. I love your entrepreneurship journey. Best of luck with Style Union Home. Again, folks, go online to styleunionhome.com. Check them out. See what's going on over there in Southern California. And for everyone who had to take off today or came on late, don't worry. This episode is going to be edited, released, and produced on Real Leaders Podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube all of those good places it'll also be available right after this show so just stay online we'll be able to go right here you can clip a moment share it on social media and tell people to subscribe to the earliest podcast for kim gold i'm kevin edwards asking you to go out there and always folks keep it real thank you kim thank you And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. And before we go today, I just want to make sure that you are all aware that we have now launched our new Real Leaders membership. If you want to get access to all of Real Leaders Magazine, private member-only events, and free courses online, hit the link in the show notes and enter in coupon code PODCAST20 to receive 20% off a 100 dollar a year subscription hit the link in the show notes enter in coupon code podcast 20 to receive access to all of real leaders to get you to the next level thanks for listening to this episode and always keep it real